Well, good morning, church family. Um, I want to begin with my own second commercial for the November 1st hymn sing at the barn. Uh, If somehow you missed that announcement or if it's not on your calendar from previous week's announcements, I want you to hear again that next Sunday evening from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., RUF students at Erskine and some, I think, from Anderson as well as the GPC Church family. We're going to try to bring all those communities together, hopefully on a beautiful fall evening, and you can pray for that, um, from 5.30 to 7.30. So if you would like to bring your own tailgate, bring your own picnic dinner, come at 5.30. Uh, The music will probably start at 6.15. So if you could aim to be there by 6.15 if you're not going to eat Of course, you can just come out and hang out and enjoy fellowship with everybody. So let's pray for great weather. Um, Our RUF Erskine music team and our GPC music team are going to share the load of leading different hymns and songs that night. And I think it will be a beautiful occasion. So plan to join us if you can. Bring friends to this, uh, anybody that you would like to bring and, and overlap in those communities. That's the idea, is a nice fall evening of fellowship and worship together. Now, for our sermon this morning, we are making our way in a series where we're looking at the church according to Scripture. And I've told you before, it's almost like looking through old scrapbooks, and we're not going picture by picture. We're turning pages at a time and getting particular glimpses of things said of the church, some monumental events and moments in the history of God's people that are revealing to us who we really are and who God intends for us to be in the world. And this morning, we're going to continue the same pattern of of looking at a climactic event. So far in this series, we've seen that God's first people were banished from the garden Because of their sin, their disobedience, their rebellion against God, they were banished from the garden to walk, to wander homelessly in the earth. And the Lord raised up a prophet, Moses, so that he could speak with authority to God's people, directing them, shepherding them like a shepherd would lost sheep. And through Moses, we're given the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, instruction for how God's people are to live in the earth. It wasn't just true of how God's people were to live in the Old Covenant. It's true of how we're to live in the New Covenant as we rightly bear His image in the earth. And then last week, we saw that there was a need for the people to have help in worship. That God's people will ruin worship. And so God created the office of a priest. And we saw last week in some detail how how careful God is about His worship, how precise He is, how serious He is, and how serious we should be in approaching the living God. And now this morning, those banished and wandering and homeless and idolatrous people They will envy the other nations and their way of life. And namely, they would become enamored 
by those who were not the people of God, and they would desire to have a leader, a king, in the way that the other nations had a king. They wanted someone strong and powerful to rule them and to reign over them. And they would learn the hard way, as we do, that you need to be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. And that's what we see in our scripture reading. Give your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 22a. Be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel spoke all the words of the Lord to the people who had asked of him a king. He said, this will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and he'll place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen. And they will, and they will before his chariot, I'm sorry, he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves, and he will give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to, uh, and to his servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and he'll use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his servants. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
Now after Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the Lord's hearing. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint them a king. Let's pray that God would help us understand and rightly apply His Word. Lord, would You open our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to see what it means to be Your people, to be Your church. Lord, would You bring conviction of sin where it is due, and would You remind us of the tender mercy of Jesus The great king that we need is the great king that we have. And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So apparently the music stand that we use outside is lower than this pulpit because my eyes are not working at this height. So I apologize if I seem lost from time to time. Um, But this morning we have a very important subject before us. That God is our ruler, He is our king, uh, He rules and reigns justly. And the context of these people, what has happened here in 1 Samuel, and I realize that one of the challenges we have is that we're, we're jumping from book of Bible to book of Bible each week, but I'm trying to give us a big picture context. So this is what's happened immediately prior to our reading this morning. The Philistines are a threat to Israel. They have raided Israel. They had taken the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, the centerpiece of the worship and presence of God, and they had taken it away from Israel and taken it into their foreign land. They had done it with military might and strength. They had overcome Israel, and the Lord had let that happen because they were using the Ark as a kind of lucky rabbit's foot. They had made it superstitious, thinking the Lord will just win for us. And so the Lord let the Philistines win. Meanwhile, the priesthood of Israel, remember we introduced the priesthood last week, the priesthood of Israel quickly became corrupt. It's unfaithful. And in the early chapters of Samuel, we read about Eli and his sons. And they are not spoken of favorably at all. They were men of ill reputation who had abused the worship of God for their own selfish benefit. And now Samuel himself, who has been faithful, is growing older in his years. But his sons are not faithful to the Lord. And so far in Samuel, there is this pain of hearing parents and the comments of their children not walking with the Lord, not remaining with the Lord. And Samuel is this transitional figure between the judges that God had raised up and now what will begin the kingship within Israel. And the elders of the tribes of Israel had come before Samuel and said, give us a king. The elders being the leaders the voice of the people. They have come and have asked for a king because they want worldly strength. Now, remember what's true in Scripture? That sometimes the Bible is just really direct and it tells us the things about ourselves that we need to know. 
that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes it's very direct in that way. But sometimes the Scriptures are like a mirror, and they show us what's true of ourselves. And when we look to the story of Scripture, it's that story that is telling us what is true about ourselves, what is true about humanity. And I'm going to suggest to you that that is what we have happening this morning. God is communicating to us by way of story something that you need to know was not only true of our first parents, but is true of us, that is true of each of us. So three simple points this morning, and the first one is this. God's people wanted a king. God's people wanted a king. That's what verse 5 and 6 tell us. In fact, it tells us they wanted a king to rule over them or to judge them. And that idea and that language is the same, to be ruled over, to be judged with authority. Or really, we might say, I think the concept is the same, they wanted, they wanted a tangible king that they could put their faith and their trust in. They wanted to see the one who was in charge. They wanted to see the one who had authority. And as Dale, as Dale Ralph Davis says in his commentary, it's not that the concept of a monarchy was wrong or villainous, but it was the faith trust that the people wanted to have in a monarch that was wrong. It was being unfaithful to the living God. Because we want tangible, physical things. Think of what Israel had proved true in its worship in Exodus 32. God is a spirit who's to be worshipped in spirit and in truth, but Israel wanted a golden calf. They wanted to fashion something with their hands that they could see. And so there's something about being human that wants tangible things. We even want God to be tangible. But God is a spirit, and He is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And just as Israel liked tangible things, so do we. We want a king to rule over us. We want something to tell us and to protect us and to provide us that is tangible, controllable. It can be on paper. It can be in our lives. God's people have always looked to tangible things to rule them. And I thought about that this week. How is that true of us? Well, some of us are being ruled by the desire for a GPA on a piece of paper that affirms us, that assures us. Some of us want our jobs and our work to define us, that we prove ourselves through our success at work, through employment. Some of us want to be ruled or enslaved by relationships, by body image, or maybe it's by money or prominence or a search for significance. But in this life and in our culture, we want to be ruled and judged by tangible things, things that the world can deem successful and powerful. Or said another way, we want to keep up with the Joneses. 
Right? That's what Israel was doing. They saw the other nations. They saw the kings, the rulers, the authority, the strength, the might, the chariots. And they said, we want those things. We want that to be true of us. Give us that kind of rule over us. Because Israel wanted to be like the other nations with their appearance of significance and with their feeling of protection. Oh, be careful what you wish for. Because you might just get it. Be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. And that is what happens. Our second point this morning, God's people got what they asked for. God's people got what they asked for. We see that in verses 11 through 17. That long passage where the Lord says to Samuel, tell the people what a king will do to them. Go ahead, before it happens, let them know what a king will do. And then later in the passage, we learn that someone will fit the bill of the king that they want. He's handsome. He's tall. His name is Saul. And he fits the part of the kind of king that they want. You know, it seems God's people, that human beings in general, have always been a sucker for looks, for the external wrapper. And tall, dark, and handsome will do. And so it is with Israel. In chapter 9, verse 2 of 1 Samuel, we, we hear the people rejoice that Saul was a head taller than all the other men. He's handsome. He plays the part. He's the king that will do. The people fell for the rapper, the external rapper. Now, I have a friend in ministry who years ago told me the story that I thought of this week. This passage reminded me of it. But he had a small son. I don't remember the age, but a a grade school-aged son. And they went shopping at Sam's Club. And when they got to Sam's Club, one of the things they were to shop for was school snacks. You know what school snacks are. Everybody needs a snack at lunch or at the end of the day. And the little boy, as they walked through Sam's Club, he saw Andy Cap hot fries. Now, I've never had Andy Cap hot fries, but I have seen them, and I remember what they look like. They have the cartoon figure, Andy Cap, uh, cartoon figure on the package, on the wrapper, and it's very appealing for little kids. And this little grade school-aged kid saw the Andy Cap cartoon and the box of 160 little bags of Andy Cap hot fries. And the little boy said to his dad, that's what I want for my after school snack. And the dad, with all reason, said, oh, no, no, I don't think that you'll like those. Those are, those are very spicy. They're very hot. But the little boy fell for the wrapper and the image of Andy Cap, the cartoon on the bag. And he said, no, I want those hot fries. And the father explained again reasonably, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't think that this is what you really want. And the boy crossed his arms and put on the the little fit in the store. And dad said, okay, 
I'm going to get the Andy Cap hot fries, but under one condition. You're eating all of them through the course of this school year. There will be no more school snacks until all of the Andy Cap hot fries are finished. And the little boy smiled because he got what he asked for. Then the next day came and the boy went to school and he experienced the handicap hot fry in all of its heat and came home and said, Dad, this is, uh, this is not going to do. <laughs> and Dad said, well, there's only 159 more bags to go. And the dad held to his word. He didn't buy any more snacks until all the hot fries were gone. And the moral of the story is what? Be careful what you wish for. Don't fall for the external wrapper. And when a voice that knows better with authority says to you, no, 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 you don't understand, you had better listen and heed the voice of caution. You know, our Lord has had such similar experiences with His people in Scripture. You might remember that these same people wandering in the desert in Numbers chapter 11, verse 20, you can go look at it on your own. They're tired of the Lord's provision of manna. And they say, we want meat to eat. And they grumble against the Lord. They complain against the Lord. And finally, the Lord says, almost like the dad in the Sam's Club, okay, you want meat? I'll give you meat. And the text says he gave them meat for 30 days until it came out of their nose. Meaning they were sick and tired of it. They had grumbled against the Lord. And there is a sense in Scripture where the Lord says enough is enough and He will give us over to what we're asking for. He says the same thing in Romans chapter 1. That God gave them over to their sinful desires. But we need to be careful what we ask for and not fall for the wrapper that this world convinces us is so appealing. Back to our text in 1 Samuel. But hey, Saul looks the part. He's a head taller than everyone. He's handsome. He's tall, dark, and handsome. We will feel safe under this man. We will feel significant under this man. And in this way, my thoughts this week, which I hope, are not, are in a, I hope are not inappropriate, but I almost could subtitle this sermon, Israel, like a teenager girl, wants a boyfriend. Israel gets a boyfriend in 1 Samuel chapter 8. He's tall, he's dark. He's handsome. He meets the part. And Israel thinks our felt needs are met. But then reality sinks in. In verses 11 through 17, they they prepare us for what this king is going to do. What it's really going to be like to have a boyfriend. In verses 11 through 17, break down those those almost hard-to-read words about how Israel will be made a servant. Israel's sons will essentially be made slaves. Israel's daughters will be bakers and perfumers. The king will take from their livestock. He will tax them. You see, the king always comes with a price. There are consequences in having an earthly 
king. He will demand, he will require, he will tax, and he will take from his people. That's what earthly kings always do. And so Israel had felt needs. Israel demanded that her felt needs be met, and God gave her over to those felt needs. And for a long time, Israel would have king after king after king. And they would taste and see that these kings were not good. These kings made them like the other nations. They made them godless and they wounded them deeply. But you see, Israel had real needs. Beyond felt needs, just like us, there are real needs. And what Israel really wanted, they just didn't know it, was a king who would be faithful and true. They wanted a king who would be just and righteous. They wanted a king who could protect and who could provide. They wanted a king who was full of mercy, with kindness towards the weak. They just didn't know that those were the things they really wanted because they were a sucker for their felt needs. Oh, be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Some of you who are country music fans will appreciate Luke Combs' song, Be Careful What You Wish For, which really aptly sums up the Scripture and the truth and the principle of what we're talking about this morning. You can Google this and listen to it if if you're unfamiliar. But this is the heart of the song. He says this, Sometimes, now think of Israel as I read this, Sometimes things ain't what you think they're going to be. What you want ain't always what you need. Don't know what you got till it's gone, and you're out on your own. All you want is what you can't get back. And once you let it go, then you know what you, what you have. It doesn't hold... I can't do it in a broken English. Don't hold a candle to what you had. Sometimes, here it is, sometimes what you think you'll find isn't quite what real life has in store. So be careful what you wish for. If only Israel had Luke Combs as a prophet to sing to them, to remind them, hey, be careful what you're wishing for in this life, in this world. If you wish for worldly things, they will undo you. They will unravel you. They will destroy you. So be careful what you wish for. When it comes to kings... When it comes to rulers, you and I need to remember that the best of men are men at best. You know that adage, the best of men are men at best. They will fail you. They will fall short of your real needs. They can only fail you in this life. And so I would remind us all, as Archie did and as he prayed for us, as we are in an election season, I think I would sum up our reminder for each of us to remember this. Our hope, the hope of God's people, 
is not to be led by a donkey. It's not to be led by an elephant. It's to be ruled by a lamb, the lamb of God. And so you've got to vote. And you can pray about that, but at the end of the day, the church's hope, it's never in a donkey, it's never in an elephant, it's only in a lamb. Because the best of men are men at best, and they will fail us. Dale Ralph Davis, in his commentary on 1 Samuel, also says this, Israel hears God's wisdom, but does not submit to it. God gives her instruction, but she's not teachable. This should lead all of us to cry out for a soft heart, a teachable spirit, and for protection from our own stupidity. That's Dale Ralph Davis, Dr. Dale Ralph Davis, not me saying that, but he's exactly right. We do not heed warnings well. Israel did not heed warnings well. And we need to be careful that we will get what we wish for. Israel would get what they wished for. King after king after king after king. Who would make their lives harder and more miserable. And at the very end, our third point is this. God's people would learn the hard way. That the king that they needed was the king that they already had. He had been their king all along. You see, the Lord had proved that He was their maker. The Lord had proved that He was their defender. The Lord had proved that He was their redeemer. And the Lord in all of His mercy would show that He was their friend. He was the counseling voice. He was the one who would be there. But somehow for Israel, none of this was enough. They wanted to be like the other nations, the other pagan nations. We sang earlier in our service, how great is our God. But do you understand Israel was essentially singing, how great is their God? Speaking of the pagan nations. And now we're reminded in song this morning, no, 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 no. How great is our God? The God of the church, the Christian church. So this morning, we're reminded, be careful what you're wishing for. Consider the longings of your heart. Consider your felt needs versus your real needs and how the Bible speaks to those. And maybe this morning, this story serves as a mirror for you, a mirror of the human heart, a mirror that shows you You know, I've got a whole lot of Israel in my heart. I have looked at other people, places, and things and envied the nations in that same kind of way as Israel. I've wanted the fame. I've wanted the the significance. I've wanted what's out there in the world. Yet everything I really need has always been offered to me in God's church. My identity my redemption, my maker, my defender, my redeemer, my friend. Oh, be careful what you're wishing for. 
God might give it to you and it might make you absolutely miserable. But what we need is God to give us that person and His work that He's already given us. We heard it in our call to worship, and I'll close with this. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Maybe as you have seen God's Word as a mirror showing you your heart, maybe this brings a good word of comfort to you. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Be careful what you wish for, and know what you already have. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks and praise that you are patient with your people. We pray for that kind of mercy we were just reminded of, that you would be gentle, that we would know gentle Jesus, full of mercy and kindness to wayward sinners who so often envy the world. Lord, would you turn our hearts back to yourself? Remind us that this world will rule over us harshly, but we have a tender Savior who rules with justice and with mercy. So Lord, don't give us what we deserve, but give us what we would have by your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.